Yes, sports radio's on. Talking sports with friends, and you know we got it on. From the NFL to the NBA, MLB and college hoops do it all day. College football, we know who's number one. Understand on the phones, you know we get it done. So call in 718-664-9098, and we'll give you more. Talking sports, uh, yes we do. Talking sports, uh, it's for you. Play and play, and we spit it every day, and we're talking. Hello, hello, and welcome to the show. You're listening to Ray and Tay today, and I'm Ray, Paul Rayside. And after the applause, I am Tay, Eric Taylor. Give us a call. It's a Sports Monday. Tons to talk about, tons to preview. Let's do it. 718-664-9098. Like always, hit us up at rayandtaytoday at gmail.com. Tweet at us. Check out the website, rayandtaytoday.com. Facebook us. Ray, there's so much to talk about. Before we preview this NBA Finals, that's our show, and we talk some hockey and preview the, the, the finals with that and talk about those poor Rangers. There's a lot off the field, and I got to ask you right off the bat, we got to go to the pigskin. And not Jonathan Pigskin and this incident with the fan, because who cares about that, Ray? Cameron, Sir Cameron Newton from the Carolina Panthers is signing a $100 million deal with the Panthers to be their quarterback till 2020. Do you like it? I guess they had to do it, like Ryan Tannehill. What do you think? $20 million a year. You know what? They had to do it. So I don't know that I can knock them. But we've gone through this many times. I'm not a huge Cam Newton fan. I don't think he wins a championship. So, to me... Only quarterback to win that division back-to-back years, Ray. With no help offensively. You can't take that from him. So, I guess time will tell, right? He's never had a decent... I mean, Calvin Benjamin's really good, and Greg Olson has, you know, drank the fountain of youth again. So, other than those two, though, he's never really had the offensive weapons to, to call him, you know, an elite quarterback or, or put it – he hasn't been in an elite situation. So, I guess you have to do it, though, because if you were to get rid of him, what message would that who, send? Yeah. Then that, would well, then play? who do you go to? Yeah. Yeah, it's like the lesser of two evils, but I think I don't know. And listen, what are you going to say? I'll trade for Manziel. I mean, there's no back, there's no backup right now. When you look at all the NFL jobs, even in Houston, the Texans will be on hard knocks, right? We didn't talk about that last show, and their battle is basically two backups. Hoyer and Mallett in camp will battle each other, throw in Tom Savage to see who'll be the quarterback of a great defensive team with a great running back. And it's, it's, it's a sad thing because quarterbacks don't grow on trees. And to me, I think Cam Newton might be underrated because, like we always say, like Tom Brady, he does more with less. And you could say if Cam had, just compared to Matt Ryan in his own division, I think as great and as people tout Matt Ryan with all the stats and stuff like that, he hasn't done anything and he's had crazy weapons. And just even having Gonzalez, Julio, and, and, and Roddy White, and then after Gonzalez retires, having Julio and Roddy White, if Cam, Cam when he had Steve Smith, Steve Smith was not Roddy White or um, Julio Jones. I think we could both admit to that. As much as we love Steve Smith, he's good. He's a good little receiver, and he's clutch, and he's a veteran, and big, big time for the Ravens. They, they've never given Cam a legit number one. No, you're absolutely right about you know. that. You're absolutely right. So you, and, you know what? Even <laughs> me who doesn't love him, I have to say that the grade is incomplete. Yeah, no. And, and I think the future is still, look, he needs to be more accurate. He needs to stay in the pocket a little bit more. But he's got a little bit of Ben Roethlisberger in him, and you've got to love him for that. And he can do things that other quarterbacks can't do. Now, he needs to be more 
savvy running like Russell Wilson. I think Russell Wilson has the best combination of it all in terms of I can throw it in the pocket, I can run it, I can scramble and run. I mean, I would say Ben Roethlisberger has the best of it all, but in terms of being a little bit of a better athlete, I like Russell in terms of what he does, but Cam could get to that. You know, I mean, Russell's already got a ring, but he had the superior defense and a great running back. You could argue Cam, those running backs, none of them were that good. They're all, to me, D'Angelo and Stewart never stayed healthy for him. Throw in Tolbert, and to me, all of them were number two backs. Which is funny because you know? when we were there, we kept saying, when they, got the, when they got them, we kept saying that they had a chance to be super between D'Angelo Russell, D'Angelo Russell, D'Angelo Williams, and uh, Jonathan Stewart, and your boy Tolbert. We thought, that's the big three. Yeah. And they never, you know, never stepped up. So, look, we got tons to talk about off the field. Let's, let's, let's talk about the French Open because Sharapova loses. This is the first time she's lost this early since 2010. Serena gets tested, yeah, in the first set by Sloan Stevens, and then she just comes back and just, you know, puts it on her. We both picked Serena, but now that Sharapova's gone, I think she's already had – she beat Azarenka and Steve. She's already had her big test. I'd be shocked now if Serena didn't go on to win the French Open. You know, it's hers to lose. So either she is in – you know, even 80% of Serena probably wins this event. The big matchup yeah, no. is on That's the side. Oh, the matchup yes. that will determine who takes the quarterfinals – but that's our two guys, right? Rafael Nadal and Novak Djokovic. That, that's, to me, you know, basically, when does that start? Because that I want to see. You know Wednesday. what I mean? Like, yeah, give me the time and the date, and I'm there because, you know, that's, um, I guess if you're, you, you know, you want to see great matchups in any sport, that's that's one that you you know you can get your popcorn, call T.O. And, and and watch that, you know. So more off the field, your boy Kevin Love, and we'll preview the finals. But he basically says, "Look, I'll be back season opener, and I'm gonna at least be now back for Cleveland mean? for First one more year." Believe him. And second of all, what huh? does that mean? I said, "Do you he, believe it?" It means. Yes, I do, because he's got to decide by June 30th, and I think he realizes, okay, this year the salary cap's not going up this much. I'll take the $16 million. Next, the following season is when it's going to jump up, so you want to be a free agent then. I think LeBron can opt in, too, for one year. That's what he's doing. And then after that, he can go to L.A., New York, you know, stay with Cleveland, whatever, whoever's going to pay him what he wants. Um, it's going to be fascinating to see how much Tristan Thompson gets with, you know, what they pay Schumpeter and Jr. you know, and then how much the cap goes. But I think Love will sign up for one more year, and I think even if they don't win this year, they have a shot to win it next year. And um, I think, you know, the only person that might not be back for the ride is, you know, maybe a Miller or maybe a James Jones or Sean Marion, those guys. And maybe they fill in with, you know, mid-level exception, a draft pick, sign, you know, some player that wants to play for $2 million a year. So I think the Cavs will be, you know, fine again next year with Kevin Love and Thompson. The question is, will Love come off the bench? We'll figure all that out. But let me ask you this. The coaches, you had three jobs. They're all gone now. Orlando, Scott Skiles, how do you feel about our boy coming back? They said they interviewed Jackson and um, a couple other guys, but Scott Skiles is the man. You like that? You know what? I like Scott Skiles. I think he's one of those tough, hard-nosed. He might grind on you, and you might not like him after a few years. But you know what? The Magic are going to get tougher, and the Magic are going to get better with Scott Skiles. Totally agree. I, I, I you know, I think it's going to be good for them, and I like their future. I like their pieces: the backcourt, the center. I think they got to figure out the three and the four. You know, and they got Shannon Fry and Andrew Nicholson and Aaron Gordon. I, I, I don't think any of them are starters. So they got to figure out the 
four and a three, maybe keep Tobias Harris if you like him at the three or, or see if you can get somebody in free agency. Who knows what happens? But the Magic have got a couple of good pieces, I think, to continue to build around along with this year's draft pick if they add a Trey Lyles or somebody. You know, um, that should be interesting. Then the Pelicans, Ray, they get the Warriors assistant coach, head assistant coach or number one assistant coach or whatever they call him, Alvin Gentry, who's, you know, been around the block. We remember him playing, but he's been a pretty decent coach over at Phoenix, a couple other places. What do you what do you think about the Pelicans getting the offensive guru? You know what? I'm not sure I love this one. He's an offensive guru. I don't think offense is their problem. I actually like Monty Williams and Oh yeah, I like Monty too. I'm not sure Alvin Gentry's the answer. Um and change for the sake of change is okay, but you know, to me, nobody's knocking down the door for Alvin Gentry, although his Golden State Warriors did have a great offensive year, but they also have very talented offensive players. So this one I'm lukewarm on, i would be honest. With well, I'll say this. Maybe he does help them schematic-wise offensively because there were times with the Pelicans, it was all Anthony Davis and nothing else, and there was didn't seem like anybody else could really get good shots unless – you know, they had Anderson open in the wing. So, I don't know. I, I'd like to see what he could do because if Tariq well, Evans and roster, Holiday, don't you yeah, and Gordon. They, well, I think they need another perimeter shooter, but I think their guys got to stay healthy. I think it's more about the, uh, you know, the, the medical staff because Holiday, Gordon, and Tariq Evans never stay healthy. So, if those guys could actually stay healthy for 80 games or 82 games, uh, throw in Davis. I don't know if they're going to re-sign a Sheik. Um, I like what Norris Cole came in and did, and, and Quince, our boy Quincy Pondexter, you know, came in and played well. So I, I like the, the, the nucleus of their roster. I think they could add a piece or two. But offensively, I'd like to see maybe what he could do with them, you know. It would be interesting. I'd like them to see them. I was going to say to you, I'd like to see them get a defensive center maybe better than a Sheik. A Sheik disappointed me. I thought he'd do better. Maybe they sign like a Tyson Chandler who's a free agent or a Robin Lopez goes back there. You know, I, I don't know. Or what if they got Brooke I, Lopez? <laughs> you know, I, I mean, think that'd be something. Right, though. I think a defensive center is critical because you don't want to wear Anthony Davis out by playing him at the five. So you want him to play his natural four and then maybe at the yes. end of his career, Tim Duncan play some minutes at the five, but let him develop into the star that he already is. No, you're totally right. And also you don't want him getting banged around so much because he's such an offensive uh, weapon. You want him to block shots and freelance, which he could do more if you have a good, solid defensive center and rebounder. And then you don't want him banging so much on the boards, but he does so much because he's so long and quick and athletic but a Tyson Chandler would be kind of perfect for that situation. That that would be um, that would be fascinating, I would say. You know what I mean? And and uh, and of course, you know, I got to mention my man Jimmy Johnson wins again in NASCAR. It was it fourth time this year? And just uh, was it a Dover? So you know, I'm happy about Jimmy Johnson doing his thing. We haven't spoke spoken He's too much bad. about NASCAR. He's very listen. This guy, man, Ray. He's uh I, you know, I, sometimes you, you, you know what would be fascinating? To be, I guess, in the cockpit, just to, to be on the sidelines to see what they put in their cars and what they, you know, how they construct their cars to, to, to find out, you know, really um, what puts them over the edge. To me, that, that what I would like to see, you know. Yeah, you know what? They they got Chad something Knauss, going. Yeah, Chad Canals in the in the pit and Jimmy on the wheel. I mean, that's like the dream team. I mean, that's, that's Michael Jackson, rest in peace, and and uh, uh, Quincy Jones, man. That, that's ah, you're going back to Mike and Quince. Uh-huh. Wow, that's I like that. Team. Nah, it definitely is. So. So let, let's let's get into it. I mean, you know, most of the other stuff is, um, you know, oh, and Brandon Marshall signs an extension with the Jets. And yeah, real quick, right? 
Yeah, just restructured, and I think that that's good and gets, you know, some money, I guess, up front or whatever. But I got to say this, Rex Ryan, OTAs, you only get 10 of them. He's allowing his whole team for OTAs to go to the Jim Kelly uh, golf tournament. I thought that was a great story, um, you know, to take one of those OTAs. But, you know, he couldn't play last year, and Jim Kelly's, you know, healthy again and alive and well. And for the whole Bills and the Bills Nation to be there, I, I don't know. I think that's kind of special. That says a lot about Rex to me. Yeah, you know, I always like Rex as a guy and as a coach. He just has a huge offensive, you know, uh, deficiency or question mark around his coaching schemes and around his coaching philosophy. But he's a player's coach. People love him for a reason. He seems like a great, great guy to, you know, to play for. Let's do. Sign me up for Rex, especially if I play defense. <laughs> yeah, 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 right? <laughs> play a little corner for Rex, you know, that's not, that, that'd be a, a lot of fun, man. So, look, you know, we'll be back with scheduling and stuff. We'll be back Thursday. We'll focus on game one. But now let's talk about the series. We've waited a long time. Ray picked it right that the Cavs would make it from the beginning of the season. He was on the LeBron train. Ray surely didn't know that the big three would be so injured like this, so it's more amazing for LeBron. Neither one of us had the Warriors. We didn't have have that faith in Kerr and the team. We thought they'd be good, but, you know, we were on that clipper train. So you have the Warriors and the Cavs in the NBA Finals. When you start to preview this and break this down, what, I guess, do you think for each team is the biggest advantage? Is it uh, rebounding for one team? Is it scoring for another? Who do you think has the biggest advantage and why? Which team? Well, it's funny because both teams have advantages of their own, um, and I think that it'll be, a, it'll be a question of style, and it'll be a question of imposing their will. I think if you look at Cleveland, they have LeBron. And not just that he's the best player, but that he has got experience. And by having that experience, he's got the ability to carry his team out of adversity. So they could lose a game or two and still be okay. So I think that between LeBron and Kyrie, two stars. Remember, we said that it's hard to win a championship with less than a minimum of two stars. So they have their two stars. Play D when they have to, Cleveland. And I think that... Their advantage really comes from the fact that LeBron is who he is and he's won two championships. And he's lost three. So LeBron has a lot of experience in the NBA Finals. This is his sixth NBA Finals already. So I think that the confidence and the experience and having the best player on the court is basically Cleveland's advantage. Okay. That, that's fair. Now, look, going into the playoffs and going into the finals, LeBron last series almost had the triple-double you know, 30, 11, and 9.5. In the playoffs, he's averaging 27.6. Your boy Curry, 29.2. I'd ask you this. Is Clay Thompson, one, we don't know his health for game one. He did have the concussion, going through the protocol. Got to believe he's going to play. But right now, and this might be fair to say, the way he's been playing, is Clay Thompson better than 85% of Kyrie, assuming that's where Kyrie's at. Let's say if LeBron and Curry Curry were a wash, not saying that they are, because I think LeBron does more than Curry, but Curry is like the heart and soul of this team. But when you go to the next best player, how do you view Klay Thompson versus Kyrie? So I don't know what that number is, if it's 85%, but that sounds about right. Look, at full strength, Kyrie Irving is a better player, and I think he's more impactful to the game. And Kyrie Irving doesn't need to take a backseat to anybody. He's as good as it gets, especially in one-on-one situations. You need a basket. You need a guy to create a shot. You need a guy to bring you back. Again, I think this Cleveland team can fight back from adversity. But having said that, I don't know how healthy he'll be. Not only that, but it's not even like if he's healthy in game one, he could just as easily go down 
in game two or three. You know what I mean? It's one of those where you're going to be holding yeah. your breath. And I think this will be a six or seven game series. So with Kyrie, I, I would imagine they have to monitor his minutes. He's going to have to do treatment in between games. He's just broken down almost. So uh, I like Kyrie a lot. I like him better than Klay Thompson. I think he has more impact on the game. But I don't know if he'll hold up. I don't know if by game four or five he won't break down. It's almost like the uh, like the, that Lakers team in 88 when Worthy went down and Magic went down and they just couldn't even hang with Detroit. Yeah. Now, injuries are always going to be a factor. We've seen it in history in the finals. Um, so, look, these are the two best teams in the league since January 9th, since, you know, Cleveland did their deals and their trades. When you look at just defensively, we know the Warriors statistically have the numbers, but right now with Shump, um, you know, Kyrie's not the greatest defender, but with Thompson and Mozgov, where do you view uh, the defensive edge in this series? Would you say it's Warriors? Now, and by the way, we've got to tell everybody, Vegas has got the Warriors favored to win the series. I mean, even more so than the Blackhawks uh, over the um, Lightning. So that's, uh, you know, LeBron being an underdog, what is this, this only second time out of six going into the finals? Or no, no, I guess maybe third. Was he an underdog last year against with the Spurs and the Heat? And it was close. I think they were. I think they were. But that it might have been. Yeah, so, I mean, so, but this is his, you know, the first time they were a huge underdog when they went and battled the Spurs when he was with the Cavs, of course. But this one, they're a pretty, you know, good underdog as well. So, but just focusing on defense right now, who would you give the defensive edge to in this series? Team defense. I would say the Warriors. I would think that they defend, more of them defend, and philosophically they've, I think they're the number one defense uh, in the league, and they don't have defensive mm-hmm. laps. So you figure Steph Curry, didn't he lead the league in steals? Or he was up there in steals. Draymond Green yes. could have made a great case for defensive player of the year. Klay Thompson yep. is an excellent wing defender. So One of the best all, two-way guards in the league, yeah. Yeah, they all do it, and they're all – Bogut, Iguodala. Yeah. Bogut, Udala, David Lee, I think, is going to be playing in this series. He's not a great defender, but he's defense. Yeah, no, I was going to say, <laughs> you don't want to call him for defense. He'll clean up the glass. No, 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 you're right. So, I, I think you got to give the edge on defense all in all to the Warriors. Okay, I, I, I would definitely agree with that. Um, I do think and I said this last show when Oren was on, I do think the Warriors might be better defensively, but I think, in all honesty, the Cavs are a better rebounding team. And I think a lot of it is because of LeBron. When you've got and LeBron... Thompson, the emergence of Thompson. No, well, I mean, I'm saying Mozgov and Thompson are dominating the glass, but then when you have LeBron giving you... Look, it's against the Hawks, but still, from the small forward position and playing some four during the game, you got him getting 11 boards in a, in a you know, what was it, a five-game series or a four-game series, but still. I mean, that's impressive. To me, LeBron is playing at a level where he says, whatever I have to do, I'll do. You know, I mean, and obviously for the whole playoffs, this guy is in the top five assist leaders. I mean, he's been averaging 8.3 assists in the playoffs. So when you look at that type of versatility, to me, that's, um, you know, that that's ridiculous. So I would say the Warriors are a better team offensively in terms of everybody sharing a ball. But, you know, we both mentioned this uh, last show. If Steph's not splashing and, and Clay's not splashing – the Warriors do have trouble scoring because Draymond's not a consistent outside shooter. Iguodala has been off offensively, and then you're really relying on Harrison Barnes. You know, what are your thoughts about the Warriors um, offensively? Um, obviously, they are efficiently better shooting team, better three-point shooting team, but do you feel like right now that they're just a better scoring team than Cleveland, or do you like the way Cleveland has been scoring baskets? You know, again, it comes down to Kyrie Irving because I think that when Kyrie Irving is on the 
on the court, I think it takes some pressure off of LeBron, and it allows Cleveland to score in a variety of ways, and a variety of ways that doesn't necessarily involve LeBron James. So when LeBron has to work as hard as he has to work to score and then play defense like he has to play in this series, then, you know, I think that that, that they are at somewhat of a disadvantage. So if Kyrie's healthy, I think the diversity of Cleveland's offense improves dramatically, and it affects them on defense, too, because it frees LeBron up. Assuming he's not, though, I I like Golden State in this respect. They're never out of it. I mean, you could be up 20 on these dudes, and they shoot the ball so well, and they get good shots in transition, and they have so many good shooters that now when Harrison Barnes starts playing, like we thought he could, Harrison Barnes, Carolina boy, um, actually yeah. Iowa, via North Carolina. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if Harrison He's a Tar Heel, though, baby. If Harrison Barnes can give you that third scoring option from the outside, and Igudala can give you that 3A, and then if Bogut can give you something in the middle, and then Draymond Green is just gravy, then. I tell you what, this Warrior team is hard to guard. So, the the Kyrie Irving addition to Cleveland makes them more potent and powerful and and hard, you know, hard to guard individually. But when they're clicking, this Golden State Warrior team is about as good as it gets on offense, and they're so efficient. I think they were number one or number two in offensive efficiency. Yes, they were. So, but let me ask you this though: I got to play devil's advocate here. I mean, I I just wonder. You put LeBron and Shumpert on the Splash Brothers, and you know maybe you have to rotate with Kyrie to, over to somebody else. But you know, and I and and possibly they'll start LeBron on on Barnes and let Kyrie go with Curry, just to see where he's at. But I I think in a lot of clutch moments of the game you're going to have Shumpert on Curry and LeBron on Clay, and then I'm worried about the Warriors scoring in that situation. To me, that's where, you know, does does Green honestly take advantage of, of Tristan Thompson as a great defender? Bogut uh, with Mozgov as a cancellation. And then so then you're saying can Barnes score on whoever that person is? whether it's James Jones or whether it's um, Mike Miller or if it's Kyrie or, you know, whoever else they put in there, that's or Della Dova. I mean, that, that's where I'm wondering uh, it's going to be a lot of pressure because we talked about the finals and the pressure can – I think the number is Harrison Barnes needs to average 16 – 17 a game in this series? Wow. See, I don't think they need to get it from one guy. I think that Harrison Barnes, Draymond Green, and Andre Iguodala together give them, I don't know. Uh, Ten apiece? I mean, great, but, you know, something like uh, uh, 35 to 40. You know Steph and Clay will give you another uh, 40. So 50. That's, yeah. So I think the bench, or or call it the the third through six scorers, if they can together give you, you know, one night it's Iguodala, one night it's Barnes. I tell you what, man, this team is this team is they're like the Spurs of last year. Yeah, they're loaded. They're like the Spurs. Remember, the Spurs could score really from anywhere on the court. You think about Kawhi, Duncan, Ginobili, Parker, Danny Green. The uh, Bellinelli, they were scoring all over, and this team is very much like that team, except without the great post player. Their great player is, you know, in the backcourt. But, you know, I think that that uh, makes it dangerous. So, <clears throat> tell me, where 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 are you leaning? What, what's uh, what's what's how's the series going to break out? If you think it goes the distance, which it seems like that's what you're going to predict, 
break this series out for me. How do, how does it all play out? And give me your pick. So I look back at these two San Antonio series with Miami and say that LeBron learned how to win in that first series and was beaten by the ultimate team in that second series with Miami, right? Got a little bit lucky in the beginning with the whole Ray Allen and game six and that rebound and everything. But you know what? They stuck in there and, and they, uh, you know, they won that game seven two years ago. So I'm going to say with those lessons, that definitely makes this, in my mind, a seven-game series. So Golden State is the complete team. Golden State it does it well on offense and does it well on defense. And on the other hand, I have LeBron and you don't. So that's been my philosophy, and I'm riding that. <laughs> so I'm going to say – that are you making up those cause, T-shirts? Are you are you making up those T-shirts in wine and gold colors? I mean, what's? I, uh, might I need to, to know. I, want, I might have to go to Akron and say, you know, print these T-shirts up for me. I have LeBron and you don't. Now remember, I originally <laughs> thought that the Clippers uh, would beat the Cavs, and I thought that the Clippers could beat the Cavs because they had a big three, and I think because Golden State has really a big one in Steph Curry, and then there's a drop-off with Draymond Green, excellent defender, Klay Thompson. They can't carry the team. So I'm No, and I, I'll be honest, you don't know if you can trust Klay yet. If yeah, he's ready for I'm, it, I, he disappears. exactly right. When was the last time, again, I, I guess the Detroit Pistons in 04, but they snuck up on you. When was the last time that a team a, only had one superstar in Steph Curry and had no experience really going this deep in the playoffs. Steve Kerr has a lot of experience. He has five wins. But I got to think that, again, LeBron's the only one on this whole court, James Jones, I guess, that has a real meaningful finals experience, and he happens to be the best player. So I'm going to go. Right. Well, they got Marion and Perkins and other guys, you know, that have played in the finals. Yeah, but they don't play. They're not on the court. No, no, they don't practice and they'll do some things so i'm gonna go cleveland in seven and i'm gonna say there's gonna be a lot of road wins so like i predicted last year with with san antonio uh going one 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 or that was two years ago um i don't know if it'll quite be like that but i think that at least one road win for the warriors and at least one road win for the Cavs. and i think the Cavs go to golden state and go to oakland and win a game seven Wow. And, well, obviously I would say LeBron would be MVP, huh? LeBron's the MVP. LeBron. What is, give, me, give me his stats. What does he average points, assists, and rebounds in a series? What, what is that number for him to get that third title? What is it? LeBron goes 28-9-7. And is exhausted. Okay, so a little, and a little bit less than what he did against Atlanta. Yeah. And Kyrie. 28-9-7. I think Kyrie will average twenty twenty two a game. Wow. Okay. Woof, you're hearing it here from Ray, ladies and gentlemen, who had LeBron in the finals but losing originally. Now he's going with King James and the Cleveland Cavaliers, and they call them the LeBronettes, which is messed up. <laughs> oh, my goodness, in seven games. Well, I'll tell you this. The last couple of years in the finals, I've rooted for LeBron. I like this kid. I think this young man now has been disrespected in this league for a long time. I didn't necessarily love him in, in the beginning years. I appreciated the talent and the stats. I didn't like the whole King James and, oh, I'm you know wearing 23 like Jordan. I, I didn't buy into it all at first. I saw the athleticism. I saw the size, the specimen, the talent, but I I didn't feel the whole Jordan or Kobe killer instinct, any of it. Then he went away for college, sort of, for four years and learned from, I think, as we've said, probably the third best shooting guard in NBA history, which is Dwayne Wade, um, behind Jordan and Kobe, and I think Wade taught him some valuable lessons about even when you're hurt, 
you know, how he came up with that performance, scoring, what, 40-something against Indiana in the Eastern Conference uh, semis that year or the, in the finals when he pulled out that game for them. And I just I think LeBron – exactly, exactly. And I think LeBron learned so much from that experience, from Wade, Pat Riley, and I think he's a winner. And so much so that he has taken cast-offs from the Knicks J.R. and Shumpert, and he's making them, he shined them up and made them look Tim like pretty Fay, diamonds. Fay, and, and, and he's taken Tim O'Fay from the Knicks and the Nuggets and made him, you know, not just like a verb again, you know, where you got mazed off, you know, when he got dunked on from Blake Griffin. And Tim O'Fay is now a ferocious uh, a rebounder and, and good defender, and he's scoring, which. I, I said years ago when I saw him in New York that he could be this good. I saw this, and no one listened to me and believed me, and I didn't want to trade him in that deal. And Della Vadova is becoming just a great player. just read this article on Real GM where uh, Bogut lobbied the Warriors to sign uh, Della Vadova because, you know, he knew him from back home and stuff and just believed in his talent. And now LeBron's got him and he's going to be a scrappy guy matching up with Livingston or Barbosa in this series. You're going to see these matchups play out. And to me, I love Curry. And I think this year and what he did and his daughter at the press conferences and his family and just all of it, it's a beautiful story. And I think the Warriors are amazing. I love the Roracle. I love it all. But one thing that Ray and I have learned over the – more than 30 years of, of watching basketball and just the finals in basketball history is that there's like a right to passage and usually a team does not break through from going, you know, in the playoffs one round and losing to then going to an NBA finals and winning a title. I, I can't remember the last time that's happened. Everybody's knocked on the door and said, <clears throat> excuse me, can I earn my way in there to win one? And that's sort of how it's been to getting a ring um, over history and over time. There's, you know, even the, those Piston team, the Piston team that won with Rashid and Ben Wallace and, uh, you know, Chauncey and Hamilton, the year before – I forgot who they lost to, but they, they, they played, and I think maybe they lost to the Pacers and Reggie Miller and Jalen Rose and Mark Jackson, who lost to the Lakers. So they, they had to earn their way, you know what I mean? They, they still had to fight through to get to winning the titles that they won. So to me, I think it's simple. I think Kyrie, 80 85% is good enough, and he's a threat. I think Jr. will be locked in and is focused. I think Shumpert will, will defensively they'll have enough to slow down Curry. And when I say slow him down, I mean he'll average 26 in the finals <laughs> compared to the 29 he's been averaging because Curry's unstoppable. Um, I'm not sure about Clay Thompson. I think he'll average under 20. I don't think he's necessarily ready. I mean 18, 19, but I don't think that's enough. And like you, I think it's going to be a couple of road wins here and there, but I think it's going to be a knockdown, dragout series. But my thing is this. I think the role players for Cleveland can win one game. I think LeBron will win two games. And I think Kyrie mixed in Uncle Drew? with LeBron. Uncle Drew can get a game. You know, with him, Maybe it's just him and LeBron going crazy and going nuts and scoring 50 or 60. So I basically agree with you. LeBron's the MVP. I say 29, 8, and 8. And we'll definitely have at least one, if not two, triple-doubles in the series. But 29, 8, and 8 for the average. He will get his third ring. He'll be 3-3. Three and three. He'll get MVP this I listen. I've voted against LeBron for a lot this season, and um, that that ends now and today. He will cut down the nets. The Cavaliers will be the NBA champs. Game seven in Roracle, 
they will win 103-99 to and win the NBA title, and LeBron will be MVP. I, I just don't think there's enough scoring from Green, Barnes, and Iguodala consistently, um, and I don't think enough rebounding to beat LeBron and his road dogs. Thompson and Timofey and Jr. and Kyrie and Shumpert, it's too much. I think it's too much. I think LeBron allows them to play so stress-free, and he takes so much on for them that I think even even with the rookie coach, and I think he'll he's getting better at coaching LeBron and the team, the Cavaliers win the NBA title. So let me ask so. you this. You said rookie head coach. Now, granted, Steve Kerr has a lot of experience as a yeah. But these are two rookie head coaches. So first question is, do you think that this will have an impact on the series? And if so, who has the advantage? I think Kerr has the advantage because I think this team has been sort of together a little bit longer. This Cleveland team is so new. I think and with the injuries, he's still been figuring it out, his rotations. He sometimes will throw in Marion, sometimes throw in Miller. He doesn't know if he needs to play Haybert or Perkins and foul trouble. He's not sure about, you know, when do I use James Jones and how much do I play Della Dova and does LeBron play point? Does he play the three? Does he play the four? I feel like he's got so much that he's still figuring out, but his biggest advantage is that he's got the best coach on the floor. Where Kerr... I think the grid is set, and he fine-tuned it, and it's it's just it's this well-oiled machine. I think he might have to make some matchup changes to figure out. I don't know if Green gets in foul trouble, then does Barnes or Lee or Iguodala. Like, I don't know if any – I don't think any of – unfortunately, Barnes, Green, and Iguodala, none of them can really stick LeBron to me. And so, to me, they have to make a decision to double-team LeBron, and I think Kerr might be ballsy enough to do that, where you just you, you, you say Shumpert or Thompson has to beat me. You almost don't guard. You almost do a boxing one on LeBron. And to be honest with you, you know, that's the type of thing where if you say LeBron, you can only beat me from outside and I'm double-teaming you, they actually would have a shot for me to win this series so in you seven saw games. LeBron, LeBron's only shooting 15% from three. Yes. Yeah, so and that's, the, that's the one problem I have. But the problem that, that can equalize that is that I think he'll be able to draw a double team, and they pass well enough that if their shooting is still consistent enough, they'll be able to hit threes. And whether it is Mike Miller or James Jones, and I do believe in this series – there'll be a time where you're going to rely on Mike Miller and James Jones for their veteran three-point shooting. It's not going to be just Jr. And so if well, Mike Miller hits three three-pointers in a game or James Jones hits three, it'll be enough to just get them over. Well, here's another you know? scenario. So if you play that boxing one or some kind of gimmick defense on LeBron and you put two guys on him, don't let there be a healthy Kyrie Irving on the court because then that's just – too easy oh, for him. That, and that's the dilemma that he himself. has. Exactly. You're right. Or for himself or for other people. That's the problem. And you have to find a way to say, okay, can I rotate? And that means green and bogut. And this is where I think David Lee has got to play a lot more in this series. And I hope that for Kurt, for the Warrior fans, Kerr realizes that because I don't think green, he's got the speed, but I don't think he's got enough of the size and height to sort of stop Thompson on the glass offensively down low for second shot opportunities and even for those alley-oop dunks that Kyrie throws to him sometimes. And so that's where Thompson can wind up with a game where he scores 14 and gets 12 boards. So it's just going to be fascinating. I think it's going to be an interesting matchup. I think both these coaches will earn their money because they're going to have to think out the box. And what's so great about the NBA Finals, and it will go from potentially you know Thursday uh, game seven would be on the 19th. So, you know, and then we get into the draft on the 25th. So, you know, there there's going to be a situation where between games you're going to have some serious uh, matchup changes, what's working, what's not, and that's why I do believe it will go seven. 
but I think LeBron will just have enough to carry them in, in that seventh game. So it's going to be fun. I think Curry will have one of those games where he scores 40, though, because I think the the kid is that talented and he's that clutch and he can shoot like crazy, you know. So, But we got the same thing. We're on the same page for once, and we were not for hockey. Now, I, I, I'll give you the credit for going with the Lightning, but I got to tap myself on the shoulder because about three, maybe three weeks ago, two and a half weeks ago, I did say it could be the Blackhawks and Lightning. It's not what I predicted the last show going into this game seven, but it is here. Your thoughts on, one, did the Rangers just fold or was it too much about the Lightning playing a, instead of free Willie at home, more defensive at MSG, and it was just too much because once they shut it down and played defensively, the Rangers couldn't score. So I think the Rangers were frankly lucky to be there in some ways because Henry yeah, Lundqvist the cap was playing terribly yeah. in the middle of that game. And then, yeah, if you go all the way back to the first round, that seven-game or, or yeah. second round against the Against they could have lost in game five to the Caps. Yeah. Could have lost that. So, to me, the Rangers may have been the best team in the regular season, but they certainly weren't playing their best when it came to the playoffs. So, in some way, the Rangers probably beat out, uh, you know, where they should have, which is the Eastern Conference Finals. Now, they'll be kicking themselves because this is yet another year they think they, they could have and, and probably, you know, had a very good chance to win. The opposite can be said about the Blackhawks. They didn't have a great regular season, but because they're able to come back and put it all together, then they've got ample <coughs> chance to win themselves a Stanley Cup, you know? So it's like a tale of two cities in terms of New York and the Rangers. Now, Chicago has all the experience. Chicago has all the talent. So it'll be very interesting to see who, in fact, wins this series. We'll talk about it in a sec. Storylines in this series. So, so I can't wait on Wednesday for, for the for this uh, start. And you know what? Now that there's no New York teams, there's no rooting interest. I'm just a fan. I'm just just. Well, yeah, just a fan. And you got to like this young team. I think their average age is like 26 to 27 or 28. Tampa, you got uh, Stamkos is, is amazing. I think, you know, the way he played and the type of leader he is, you know, you got to love the, the big uh, goalie. The kid is 6'7", Ray. I'm like, throw him on a basketball court. The goalie was really incredible. I think the Lightning, one advantage that they have is that they kind of like these wet puppies. They don't, they don't, they don't know the field. They don't know what and they last, don't know. Yeah. And last year they got bumped out early and they didn't like it. They got, I don't know if they got swept, but it was quick. And I feel like they just by default have got a shot because of how they play. But my problem is hockey, the home team, you know, you don't really have that much of a home ice advantage. Game one is what, Wednesday in Tampa, right? And I think, to me, the Blackhawks have too many stars, whether it's Staines, Kane. I think at the end of the day, they're just a better team, and their experience is going to hold them through. When I look at this Stanley Cup final, I really feel like Tampa, just because of their speed and, and, and they're so athletic on the ice and their youth, they're going to get two games. But I think the Blackhawks overall is too much posse. Now, the Rangers might have matched up better against them, just style-wise, maybe, I don't know. But I think at the end of the day, you know, I think from the beginning I picked the Blackhawks to win this season, and I'm sticking with them. I got the Blackhawks winning the Stanley Cup Finals in six games. We'll have a, at least two overtime games. And I believe uh, your boy Kane is just going to show out, and I think the Blackhawks win in six. Big Daddy Kane. So I'm going to say that everything you said about basketball – is not necessarily true about hockey. So in basketball, it's that huffing and puffing and huffing and puffing, and then you blow the blow the door down. In mm-hmm. definitely in baseball, and even more so in hockey, where the single most important player in all of sports, even more than your quarterback in football, potentially is your goalie in hockey. There's only five yeah. guys on the ice. 
and the goalie is that much is so important. So you're as hot as your goalie. So I do believe in this case that Chicago has all the experience, two Stanley Cups in the last five years, but I'm going with Tampa because I'm going to say that Ben Bishop outplays Corey Crawford and so much so that the Tampa Bay Lightning, I'm going to say they win in five. I'm going to say they go one. You got a lot of faith in a big 6-7 Lurch Bishop, huh? Okay. I got speed, and you have speed, but there's a reason I have, I, you know, I have 108 wins, and I just feel like this Tampa Bay Lightning, now it's not the Tampa Bay Lightning of, what was it, eight or nine years ago with Martin San Luis right after the lockout. It's not that Tampa Bay Lightning. It's not your daddy's Tampa Bay Lightning. But it's kind of funny, right? Expansion team, right? It's not your daddy. But I believe in the Lightning, I think they're going to win in five. I think they're just going to be too fast. Their offense is going to just be too much, and and they're going to have the better goalie, and that's going to determine the series. Okay. right. You know, see, I like it when you go out on a limb, and, you know, I feel feel your passion with this. And... um, I can't be mad at you because I think the kids have a shot. I mean, you know, one thing I always do believe in is the karma of how a team is playing, and sometimes there's just that thing of momentum, and you see it with Tampa. So I actually would not be shocked of of your pick just because, you know, I I respect that. But I I just think the Blackhawks got something special this year too in terms of the experience and them wanting to win again. So we'll see. So Ray's got Tampa Bay Lightning in five. Tay's got the Chicago Blackhawks in six. We are coming right back. Let's rock some beats, and we will talk about our segment before we finish with MLB. But we start off with Champs and Chumps of the Sports Weekend. Ray and Tay. Oh, yeah, yes, we're back. Man. We're back to talk Champs and Chumps, which is a segment we drummed up a few years ago where we talk yeah. about the good, the bad. We try to stay away from the ugly, but we talk about the good <laughs> and the bad of the weekend or just in general what's happening in sports. Well, listen, I'm going to let you go first. Maybe start off with the positive. I'm feeling real positive today. Who's your champs of the sports weekend, Ray? Positive and LG. So I'm taking a little bit of a different spin. It's usually champs and chumps of the weekend where we look back and we say, yeah, is a champion. I'm taking a little spin, different spin this week. And I'm going to give you James Jones as my Mm. champ. And, you know, in life, you follow your profession. And if you're good enough to make the NBA, then you go play and you play for as long as you can. And basically you try to get as much money as you can for your family and for your career. And then you hope that you can play for an NBA championship and you hope that you can be an NBA champion. And when you're not a star, you're really dependent on a lot of other people to make you, you know, to put you in contention to win. So my champ is James Jones because this cat is riding on LeBron's coattails, and that's, that's not really that fair to say. He's, he's a legitimate NBA player on, in his own right. But this guy is about to play for his fifth NBA championship. Now, he's 2-2 two and two with LeBron, but could you imagine if this guy, five straight years, he and LeBron are the only ones since the Celtics to play in five straight conference championships, and then if he were to win, he'd have three championships in the last five years, and that is rare air. I mean, that's like the Lakers, that's like uh, Larry Bird and the Celtics. So my champ, because it's all about winning, right? You're going to get paid regardless. You're an NBA player. You know, I don't know how much he makes, but it's probably around the veteran's minimum. So go get yourself a championship. So my champ is James Jones. Wow. Okay. I'm not mad at you. Real quick, running out of time, my champ for this week is the Cincinnati Reds. With no Johnny Cueto, and even though you know they've been struggling and they've had some injuries, 
I think they're getting ready to turn around because what they did this weekend was sweep Ray's darling favorite team, the Washington Natural Nationals, 22 and 27. Hopefully, Cueto will come back. Um, they got the young young stud pitcher who's 4 and 0 in JJ uh, Hoover, and honestly, I think Todd Frazier, Votto, um, my boy Brandon Phillips. I think you're starting to see the Reds wake up. I'm not saying they're necessarily going to figure it out to make the playoffs, but I think after this weekend, it's exactly what they needed to get themselves going. And the Cincinnati Reds, you know, with hopefully some hope and some help on the way. And look at Frazier, I mean, with 16 homers, and these guys are just doing it. Cueto's got, um, you know, done his part until he got hurt, but he was only three and four, so hopefully he can get back. Frazier's got the ribbies. The on-base percentage from your boy Votto, 383. So my champs are the Cincinnati Reds, who will be hosting an all-star game, and hopefully they will turn it around in the second half to make a wild-card run. Who's your chump? My chump, and it's hard to call an MVP a chump, but my chump Uh is Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper is more than likely going to win the NL MVP. If the season were to end today, he'd definitely win it. He's just got to stay healthy, and it looks like he'll win it. He'll be in triple crown contention. But I got word over the weekend that Bryce Harper might pull out of the all-star festivities, the home run derby. And mm. you're 24 years old. 22? Love you. 22, sorry. You're 22. Years, that's right. Chris Bryant's 20. 22 years old. The fans love you. You're a star. You're about to win your MVP. And I understand your dad had rotator cuff surgery, and I get that. But you're in your prime. The fans want you. You need to be out there. And, and it's one thing if, if something's hurting or, or if you're, you, know, you think your swing is going to mess you up, the home run derby. But go out there and give the fans what they want. The fans want as much Bryce Harper as they can get. Go give it to them. You know every day in practice you take batting practice from one of the coaches. So even though your dad being there would be great and sentimentally, it would just put it over the top – Go out there and participate in the home run derby. Fans want you. Go do it. Go win it. Go win your MVP. Don't hold back. You know, you're 22 years old. Let's go. So that's well, my jump if he decides not to, not to participate. That's fair. I'm going to stick with baseball, too, for my – this is the twist that I got. It's a champ-chump combo because – Right now, both these teams are winning. The Los Angeles Angels um, have won four in a row, and the Texas Rangers won three in a row. Eight out of ten for the Rangers. But, and they're, you know, in third place, 26 and 25 right now. But the Rangers are my champs, and Artem Moreno is my chump. And it's because of the whole situation with Hamilton. And Hamilton came back, and actually contributed to a Rangers win this weekend, hit a a shot of a homer. And to me, I just think the Texas Rangers have got some good mojo and actually, you know, might push for a wild card. I don't think anybody's going to catch the Astros, not even the Angels. And I think the Angels, there's something about this franchise that that Moreno has cursed them, and I don't think they're going to win this whole era with Pujols. And, 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 and Trout, unfortunately, uh, they're not going to win. And I hope Trout can get out of there. And I'm, I, I'm sort of – my chump is Moreno and my champ is the Rangers. And I wish Joey – I hope Hamilton just does well and continues with him and Fielder in Texas, and I hope they do good. So that's it, man. You know? A champ-chump combo. I like that. So next time we, we talk, it's going to be – just before the NBA Finals, the NHL Finals, exciting time of year. So I'm excited. Have a great sports week. And we'll get back with you at the end of the week. Yeah, man, we'll have to break down uh, who we think will actually take game one. And also, it looks like it will probably be official official, but Fred Hoiberg, the third coach. The mayor. Coaching carousel. The mayor will probably come and join the Chicago Bulls. They're, I guess, still working out the contract and – uh, but uh, hopefully Tibbs gets some TV or something for this year. I don't know what's going to happen. So, anyway, 
great show. Maybe he goes with LeBron if they don't uh, win and they get rid of Blatt, which would be sad for Blatt, but you, you never know what could happen in Cleveland and LeBron's world. So enjoy the sports week. We'll talk to you Thursday. Tipping off. We'll tip you off before the NBA Finals. Ray and Tate today. Thanks for listening. We're out.